Living Life Fuller, journeying toward independence through homeschooling, homesteading, and a whole lot more. Welcome to Living Life Fuller, episode number four, The Wonderful World of Waterfowl. Our drink of the episode tonight, what are we drinking, Stephanie? Christmas beer. That's right, we've got Shiner Holiday Cheer, their seasonal brew. It's a nice little dark beer, got some hints of Texas peaches in there. I don't know what what is Christmas about Texas peaches, but... Yeah, it tastes good. It tastes good. Stephanie's got her Baby Yoda Christmas shirt on. Yeah. Um, I need to do laundry. It's comfy. <laughs> yeah, it snowed today. It did. First snow we've we've had in Iowa this season. So, yeah, whatever. We're rolling with it. Not even Halloween, but uh, we're gonna we're gonna go with the Christmas beer tonight. So let's talk waterfowl, Stephanie. Why might someone want to get waterfowl? Um, lots of reasons. Some people keep them as pets. They do sell ducky diapers online and. Ducky leashes. Yeah, we're we're not duck pet people. We with five kids, a cat and a dog in the house. Eh, maybe someday. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe, <laughs> maybe someday. But no, if you do want a pet duck, I think Pekins are probably the the breed that's most often used. And that's gonna be your big white duck that you see like in the Aflac commercials. That's not really what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about probably the the three other products that you're going to get out of ducks. Meat, eggs, and down. That's right. And out of those two, meat and eggs are probably the primary. You can get down from uh, either meat or egg birds. You're going to get those primarily from your meat birds, obviously. You're going to be harvesting those a little bit quicker. Egg birds, they're going to have a little bit longer lifespan. You might want to wait. We don't advocate doing like they did in the old days and, and plucking down from your live ducks but if you're wanting to make some nice pillows or something like that you you certainly can do that when you're processing your birds if you're wanting down don't save the big feathers you want the little fluffy ones that are real close to the skin yeah most of those are going to come from the breast or right along the main part of the body not from the wings themselves but right along the breast and maybe the top parts of the legs yes and those uh those really do make nice comfy pillows stephanie made a nice little Nice little throw pillow for me for the bed, which which works as a nice earmuff when I'm trying to take a nap as well. Yes. So let's talk about some of the characteristics that you might look at when you're doing breed selection because not each breed is not made or built the same. Like some some of them are, are better for eggs, some of them are better for meat, some of them are kind of dual purpose, which means they're not 100% great at either one of those things, but they will fulfill your need if you're if you're looking for a smaller flock. Yeah, interestingly enough, with the exception of Muscovy ducks, which are a bit different altogether, all of your domesticated duck breeds actually come from the mallard, but they are all quite different now. So if when you're looking, you want to figure out um, the temperament of your birds. Generally, your smaller egg-laying birds are going to be a bit flightier, not really want to eat out of your hand, run away when you come close. That's our experience, at least. Yeah, definitely. Where uh, your meat ducks, the bigger ducks, are are the ones that people do sometimes use for pets. They're a little calmer. They don't really care if you come up to them. They'll eat out of your hand. Another thing you want to consider is whether or not they go broody. 
obviously your egg laying ducks are that broodiness is bred out of them so they don't want to sit on their eggs and if you're not familiar with with poultry at all broodiness just means the tendency for a bird to hatch its own eggs and raise its own young some birds are very good at that and some birds it's almost impossible it's a quality that's bred out of them because you want more eggs when a bird goes broody it stops laying Right, it's going to gather up what they call a, a clutch of eggs, uh, which is a group of eggs, and it's going to sit on those eggs until they hatch. So for commercial, especially for commercial egg breeds, they really don't want that. They just want a duck that will lay the egg and, and doesn't care whether right. it's getting a clutch. Right. If you're solely going for one product or another, you can uh, use that as a determining factor if you're wanting sustainability, you'd probably want a breed that has broodiness still left in it. You'd want something that can raise its own clutch. Uh, otherwise, you're going to want an incubator. Right. The alternative to that is that if you have a particular breed that's not very broody, you can get pri you can get birds that are primarily of that breed, and then you can get one or two females of a broody breed and let them hatch your eggs for you. Uh, they don't, the, the ducks, when they're making these clutches, they, they don't really discriminate between their own eggs and the eggs of, of each other. In fact, you'll, right. you'll have a lot of times the, the ducks will be laying in the same nest. So if you have uh, if you have one species and you're like, man, I really, or one breed and like, I really love this breed, but man, they're just not good, um, at, at hatching their own young. You can just, just get one, get one from an or two from another breed and let them, let them do the work of, of hatching them, them for you. Also, if you are if you already have chickens and have a broody hen, uh, most broody hens will happily raise ducklings for you as well. Yep, it's another little trick you can do. Uh, the other option, if you know, we can, we'll talk about this a little bit later, would be uh, incubating eggs yourself with with an incubator. But let's let's get back to some of the the purposes that you might have meat. Uh, as far as the meat goes, interestingly enough, they are completely dark meat. Even the breast meat is considered dark meat. Right. If you like dark meat from your chickens, your your leg meat, then, then duck is great. There, there are several breeds out there that are good for meat. Your Pekin ducks, which I already mentioned, your big white ducks, they, they grow very fast. I'd say close to twice the mass of some of the their smaller oh, at competitors least. and they're ready in eight eight to, eight to ten weeks you know no you don't want to go ten they'll be uh molting well that's you wanna, true yeah. you want to avoid the molts yeah you, you can go a little bit long so so molting is that process where they're losing the feathers and growing in new feathers and it is on a fairly predictable cycle and as stephanie was saying um you, you don't want to catch them in the middle of the molt why Pen feathers. Pen feathers. These are the tiny little feathers that start coming in uh, as the old feathers have fallen out, right? So if you go to pluck a duck when you're processing it, uh, you want to avoid all these pen feathers because they are a pain to pull out. Oh, yeah. So ideally, that eight-week uh, mark is when the bird will have put on enough mass to make it worth processing and it's not going to put on a significant amount of, of additional mass based on how much feed that you're you're feeding it. So they call that the 
the uh, feed to meat ratio. That's when that feed to meat ratio is is really optimal and the molt cycle is is right they will get bigger so if you miss that molt cycle and you notice they're starting to lose feathers before you had a chance to process them just wait until the molt is finished they'll be a bit bigger but more expensive yeah your other option is you can process them and deal with a whole bunch of pin feathers and you can eat and and if you're wanting to keep the skin which is which is really recommended uh, on a meat bird because it really provides a lot of flavor you can try to work through all those little pin feathers. The alternative is that you can take the skin off and take what's left of the pin feathers with it. But again, I think that that alters the flavor. We've done that in the past. One time last into last summer when we when we butchered what twenty some birds yes. in a day, we just we didn't we didn't care at that point. We just needed to get them all done. Uh, but but again, if you're wanting to keep the skin intact and really really have the the best product that you can wait when wait to a point where where they're done with the molt and they they don't have uh, new feathers coming in yes another thing to keep in mind if the appearance of the processed bird is important to you pay attention to what color feathers your bird has americans especially prefer a white skinned bird with white feathers because we don't like seeing any little colorful speck of mist pin feather Right. Occasionally you will miss a few little bits of feather here and there and it's usually not a big deal. If you're if you're raising the birds to sell them, uh, you, you might have some people turned off by it. But if, if you raise them for yourself and you don't really care either way, then, you know, maybe that's that's not a big deal. But it can come into play. Uh, in, in general, it's not going to affect the color of the skin all that much, but your whiter feathered birds are going to have usually a little bit cleaner skin and a little bit uh, less visible feathers if they get less behind left behind as stephanie was saying so i think the next thing would be obviously eggs a lot of times uh, people will raise eggs to sell or some people just like to raise them just as an alternative or in addition to chicken eggs right here while we're in that segue between meat and eggs talk to me a little bit about taste for people who maybe haven't had duck or had duck eggs before yeah, taste, and I'll, I'll talk about size as well. In general, duck eggs run from anywhere to about a, a large size or jumbo size chicken egg to about one and a half size, one and a half times the size of a of a typical chicken egg. So, if you're if you're wanting to use them for preparing dishes that you normally do with chicken eggs, figure Most one of the time to one. It's and one, and one to one. Yeah, it, it kind of depends. If you have some larger birds uh, or some double yes. yolk eggs, they can get pretty pretty good size. Our ducks just started laying here recently this year. I had one egg the other day that was significantly larger than a D-cell battery. It was pretty amazing. Double yolk, and I just that was my breakfast for the morning. Flavor-wise, though, I think that they taste very similar to chicken eggs. However, I think that the yolks have a much richer taste. Yes, one of those things I would say if you can try it before you buy it so to speak if you have somebody that that has eggs available locally it'd be worth giving it a shot to see because uh there there is a slight difference in texture and flavor and it's not for everybody you know some people really really don't care for um that more intense yolk flavor uh but but other people really love it so definitely give it a try uh, before you go out and buy a whole flock of, of egg layers. So how many eggs would you expect to get from your ducks? 
Yeah, it kind of depends on the breed. Now, your your Campbells, you got like Khaki Campbells and Runner Ducks, which runners look, I feel like they look, they like, look a, like wine bottles. A wine bottle that's kind of upright. They, they look a little bit funny compared to, you know, some of the ducks you're used to seeing, like the mallards out on your pond or They're something. They're called like runners because they don't waddle like regular ducks. Right. Those breeds are going to give you somewhere from 100 to the upper 200s per year and actually i should say ducks in, in general are going to give you 100 to the upper 200 your, your laying breeds will give you that mid to upper 200 range uh and again they, some of that goes in cycles as it, as it gets colder and the days get shorter they tend to lay a little bit less so some of that could depend on how the weather is where you live now metzer farms out in california has a hybrid breed that they have created and they call it the Golden 300. And Stephanie, why does it have the name the Golden 300? They are a gorgeous golden colored duck and they lay an average of 300 eggs a year. When we had them a few years ago, they laid all winter long consistently. Exactly. With no artificial light. A lot of times people will add artificial light to kind of trick the birds into laying. These birds laid all the time. They're small. They're a bit flighty. Yes. They don't really want you to get too close to them. But if it's eggs you're looking for, that they do. I highly, highly recommend those. Now, you can get those sexed. Um, right now, the price in October 2020, the, the sexed females are $10.30 if you're buying quantities under 24 They They do cost a, a good bit of money, but especially if you're going to be raising eggs for, for sale... I can I can't recommend these any more highly than than we have. I would say they are well worth the money. They're great egg producers, and because they're small, they they don't consume quite as much feed. So well worth it there. Okay. Well, what about if you want sustainability? We are just wanting enough for our family. We want eggs for the year. Occasionally, we want some meat. Uh, let's talk about some dual purpose birds. Yeah, again, dual purpose sometimes means not great at, at anything, <laughs> you know, True. which there, there is some truth to that. But but honestly, you can have some birds that are pretty good at, at being meat birds and pretty good at laying eggs. They're not going to produce anywhere near the, the amount of mass that, say, a pecan would. And they're not going to produce as many eggs as, say, those golden 300s. But when Omri, our son, was going through the process of picking out his bird's for, for this year, he was looking for something that would be good for both meat and eggs. And broody. And broody, right? He wanted something that was broody, something that was a relatively good temperament, not too flighty. And what he settled on was the silver apple yard. And so far, we've we've been pretty happy with them. The males have the big green heads, like the ruins or the mallards do. And the females are are a little bit lighter colored and, and they all and they're kind of light brown they've got some speckles yeah they're very pretty. a mixture of white and and light brown they, they look nice uh the meat it was pretty decent we yeah. had one um and so far they've they've been doing okay laying definitely can tell they're not laying as as frequent as no it's also getting late in the year so they just is. started laying they might taper off here before too long but they're very nice birds. They they taste good. Their eggs taste good. He also got some uh, Buff Orpington ducks as well. Sure, and nice light brown tan. They're they're pretty the, laid back. The, the same with them. 
We've had one or two of those before. Again, good tasting duck, pretty solid egg layers, and uh, really good temperaments. He goes out and when it's time to put them in at night, they just walk right into their their uh, coops for him. Yeah, as compared to chickens, ducks and geese are quite a bit easier to herd and kind of get them where you want. Uh, it's really easy to let them free range and then just kind of stick your stick your arms out like a like an airplane and walk towards them and whichever way you want them to walk you just kind of wave your opposite hand so if you want them to walk right you just kind of walk your left hand as you're walking towards them and they'll go to the right and if they're going a little too far to the right you can wave your your right hand and they'll go back to the left and they they kind of get they kind of get routine ducks are very routine driven yeah so let's talk about behaviors i guess we were already sort of talking about behaviors very, very routine driven. We put ours in at night because raccoons are a big problem where we live. And sometimes if we will forget to put them in before it gets too late, they will put themselves in. Yeah, that's really helpful. Get them to a point where they know what's going on. Let's talk a little bit about some of the infrastructure that you might need. And one bit of advice that I have heard echoed by other people that have talked about setting up their homestead and getting animals. And one thing we found to be true is get your infrastructure in place before you get animals. Yeah. Let me say that again. Get (laughs) your infrastructure in place before you get animals. Now, the caveat to that is you can break that rule as long as you have what you need for the the phase that's coming up next right so if you've got all the stuff for brooding your birds you know they're going to be in that brooder for four weeks and you know it's going to take you another week or two to finish their run and their and their house where they're going to live when they're when they're grown you might break that rule but make sure make sure you're going to actually have time to do that because it's not great for you it's not great for the animals. It's just an all-around bad situation. If you're if you're running out of space or you're running out of uh, food, water, all those different things that you need, and you're not ready for the animals that you're taking on, you want to be good, responsible owners. Even though you may end up killing this duck later down the road for meat, you want to raise it well. You want to be good, responsible owners while you're while you're raising it, and and that's going to just lead to better happier animals and better products from them. Yeah. So like he was talking about the different stages, your initial brooder stage from the time they're hatched until they're a few weeks old, you need a heat lamp to keep them warm and you just gradually lower the, you start the temperature around 95 degrees and lower the temperature by a degree or two every week. You also need waterers and feeders. So for space, when they're really little, you don't need very much space at all. But by the time they are full-sized in their coop, like where you put them at night, you need two to three square feet per bird for ducks or about six to eight square feet per goose. Let's talk again about that that breeding stage. So you mentioned food, water, bedding, space, heat. Let's talk about the space. What's a great space? We've, we've brooded ducks a few times now. What's a great space or a great way to start off your ducks? And and actually, I guess, where are you going to get those ducks? I mean, there's a few options for getting those. We've looked at the farm stores. 
They sell out fast. They sell out fast, and they don't often have a very wide selection of breed. You can also order them through hatcheries. They will ship in the mail, U.S. mail. Most of your farm stores got them from hatcheries. Most of the farm stores got them from hatcheries. Yeah, probably the same places you're going to order them. And then they add a little bit of a markup on them. So you're almost better off just going online. Um, we've used... We've used a few different hatcheries. We've used Metzer Farms, as mentioned. We've used Hoover here in Iowa for chickens. the chickens, I think. Welp in Iowa here for turkeys. the turkeys, maybe. Uh, you, a lot of different places around. Um, do some looking online, see what you can do. Metzer's got a lot of different breed selections. There might be some in your own area. Uh, the other thing you can do is, is look around online on places like Facebook Marketplace or Craigslist see if people are offering ducks in their areas and you know you can you know use your best judgment there it's hard to say if you know somebody's really well established and a good breeder or is going to actually sell you the breeds that they're saying great but honestly the good thing with the hatcheries is most of them have guarantees where if that bird doesn't survive the first usually 48 hours they will send you uh, a replacement bird for free and that, that's happened to us we had the the one female goose that we ordered the first time didn't make it so they sent us out another one uh no charge and you can decide when you're ordering whether you want the sexed or the unsexed ducks um, if you get a if you get unsexed ducks they call that a straight run with a straight run you allegedly get 50 50 where about half of them are females and half of them are males but we've seen that's usually not always the case a lot of people say you end up with more males than females and that's often the case with us as well i think right and the reason for that is that people want layers right so a lot of times those females sell out and they have a lot of extra males left over your sex birds are going to usually cost more and the females are usually going to cost more than the males when they're sex right. if you're getting meat birds and you don't really care Straight just go run. straight run. It's going to save you money. If you're wanting primarily a laying flock, it's probably worth doing a, a sex set so you can get the right ratio. And we would suggest doing somewhere in the neighborhood of one male to four or five females maybe is probably and about Depending right. anywhere between three to, three to five females per male. I would say if you're trying to get a flock that's going to reproduce and grow more ducks for you don't put all your eggs in one basket so to speak pardon the pun but get at least a couple of males to start even if you're going to only keep one get a couple in case one doesn't make it they are not as aggressive as roosters right you can have a couple ducks i mean we're down to what now eight we have eight ducks with three males in that yes yeah so so three males and and they do fine uh the the more the more males you have, the higher chances you are of having fertility, obviously. But if you get too many, the, the, the females get a little worn out. <laughs> we'll put it that way. Also, the more males they have, the more they tend to range. That's true. When we've had fewer males, they stick very close to their coop and very close to their run. We let them range around during the day, but they stay a lot closer to the house. The more males there are, the farther out into the yard they go. Right. Okay, so let's go, after that little diversion, let's go back here to brooding. So what makes a good brooding setup? Well, we've used... Rubbermaid tubs. Rubbermaid tubs. Uh, the big, I'm not sure how many how many quarts they are or whatever, but the, the Rubbermaid tubs that are about, oh, three, three and well, a half Well, the foot. size depends on how many birds you need. Well, well, that's true. But we've done, what, maybe 
a total of a dozen or so in one of those three foot by foot and a half size tubs. Well, yeah, about that. And that'll last them about a week. A week or two. Two, maybe. And then we've used everything from portable, like the small little portable dog kennels to just a wood frame and some some quarter inch hardware cloth mesh wire. Throw down a tarp in the garage and set that up on top of it. Throw, throw some bedding mm-hmm. down in there. Yeah, talk about bedding. We've used all sorts of things for that too. Right. The biggest thing I can say is start with something underneath that you can clean up. Get some get some roll uh, get a roll of poly plastic you know the stuff that you get at a garden store or the hardware store that you can throw down that you can throw away when you're done or get a tarp something to protect your your floor or i mean if you're doing it in a barn somewhere and you've got a dirt floor you may not want to worry about it but if you're doing it on like a garage floor floor or something and, and and i don't recommend doing it in the house at all i've done that once never again Or, or if you have a big enough container, like a, a big, uh, a big poly bin or a big metal trough, that's an option too. But I'd highly recommend putting something down first. Then for bedding, you have a few different options. Uh, wood chips is a popular option. Now, Stephanie, let's talk a little bit about your options on wood chips. At your your typical farm stores, you're going to get your coarse and your fine wood chips. I I would think coarse would probably. Yeah, you don't, they don't recommend the fine because no. the birds will tend They'll to eat, eat them and it's not good And for it them. makes dust everywhere. Right. So the other thing that makes a good bedding is, is simply hay or straw. And you can find that a lot of places and just kind of pull off a few flakes and kind of shred it and sp- spread it around. They, get, they would get excited when you put down the fresh bedding every day. Yeah, they they like to dig around and, and they don't scratch at it as much like chickens do because they got the big web feet, but they do like to get their their bills in there and kind well, of. Well, we'd we'd sprinkle some around. mealworms down uh, yeah. around the time we would do the yeah. bedding changes, so they would dig in there for that, which would help aerate their bedding as well. Yeah. So the other thing I'll mention is corn cob pellets. Now, what this is is it's corn cobs that's been ground up and then processed into these little chunks these little pellets and while i don't recommend using those exclusively if you put those down as a base layer and then cover it over with your your coarse wood chips or your hay or straw those help absorb moisture a lot they absorb so much more moisture than just hay or straw and and that's going to help keep the bedding more fresh we are talking waterfowl here and here's where ducks and geese are much different than chickens. Ducks and geese make a mess with their water. Right. When you originally start them off, you're probably going to have a very a very small waterer. You know, maybe maybe it's only a couple of quarts with a screw-on base that you flip over, and then it's going to flood the little tray with water. Now, it's very important you don't use the nipple-style drip waterers that you sometimes see used for chickens. The reason being, ducks need to be able to submerge their bills in order to drink properly when they're eating. Using those nipple-style waterers where, where the bird pecks at the little valve and it drips out water just isn't a good option. You want to make sure though you're not using something too big. Uh, you don't want young ducklings to drown. 
they love water. They'll get in it. They'll play in it. And without a mama bird reminding them to get out, dry off, and jump back under the heat lamp, uh, they can get chilled and die or they will get tired and drown. Right. Ducks have a natural waterproofing from the oil that comes from their preen gland back on their tail. So what you'll see them doing as they grow older, they'll take that bill, their bill, and they'll rub it in that preen gland and then rub the rest of their feathers. You've maybe seen ducks doing this in the wild. Maybe maybe you knew that's what they're doing, maybe not. But that's that's what they're they're doing is they're spreading that oil along their body. However, when they're just a week old, they don't they don't have much oil coming out of that preen gland. They don't have that waterproofing, and their their feathers are so fine and fluffy, yes. very downy. So it's important that you don't have this massive deep water that they can fall into. Just get something that's big enough, you know, maybe uh, three quarters of an inch wide trough of a very basic starting water. You can find it at any any farm supply store, just those really small ones. That's going to let them get a drink without risking them falling in and getting all soaking wet. Uh, now, as they do get older, they love water. You do not, however, have to have a pond. Correct. You don't even have to have a pool. It's nice. They like it. As long as they have a waterer that they can submerge their entire bill into, they'll be fine. But if you do have a pool or a pond, they would be so happy. They're so, so happy. <laughs> we've got a couple Ours of options. like playing in the rain. <laughs> yeah, we've got we've got an old sandbox, one of those turtles, you know, the, the plastic turtle sandboxes that we use. And then we've also got uh, a big black Rubbermaid... Uh, poly water trough more or less that we have elevated up on a couple of cinder blocks and we've got a a little a valve plumbed into that so we can easily drain it out from a little pipe on one end of it but you can use kiddie pools you can use the landscaping pond liners and you can kind of build up a little berm the one thing i will say though is they make a mess their water will get you will give them fresh water in the morning and within an hour it will be filthy. Right. If you have a small flock of, you know, even 10 birds, something like that, and a small little kiddie pool size thing, you're probably going to be needing to change that water every day, every other day at the absolute latest, depending on how much they're inside their run. If they're if they're out playing in the yard, things like that, and they're not not in that all day long, then maybe it's not as big a deal. Some people I've heard have done filters for their duck pools, but... I've heard they get clogged up and don't work pretty quickly. Right, yeah. You're not going to get by with a typical pond filter. You're probably going to have to roll your own and do some kind of special <laughs> heavy-duty pump, like a heavy-duty sump pump and some type of a multi-stage filter. So long story short, drinking water is a must. Having a pool or a pond is nice, but not essential. If you're wanting to breed any of the ducks, it does help. Um, it's a lot easier for them to mate. Especially if they have water. the larger breeds. Right. Your your pecans and, and your bigger birds like that definitely need that, that water for it to be optimal. The other thing to consider is your housing. Once you move the ducks out of the, the, the brooder, which is going to happen... Uh, anywhere from four to six yeah weeks. probably you know about a month month and a half you're going to want some place to put them so ducks are pretty 
resilient to weather. They they like the water. A little bit of rain isn't going to hurt them, but you do want to give them someplace that lets them get out of both the rain and the sun. And that doesn't have to be oh, yeah, they, anything fancy. No, they definitely need shade, though. The other thing would be that you want to consider how you're going to protect them from predators. I, I know that could vary depending on where people live. Everything from uh, snakes or uh, alligators or, you know, around here, the biggest threat um, would probably be the raccoons, honestly. But dogs, hawks, things like that. So you're going to want to either provide them some sort of a, a home that's say on an island in a pond that's not easily accessible from other critters or more than likely uh, a house with some sort of a door that you can put them in. Yes. They say if a four-year-old can open the latch, so can a raccoon. <laughs> right. I've, I haven't put that one to the test, but I wouldn't doubt it seeing some of the things the raccoons can do. There was one night we came home and I, I heard some raccoons back in our duck run. So we've got probably about a 30 by 30 run or pen with six foot welded wire fence. And then a couple of four by eight duck houses in there. And, uh, these raccoons, they were too close to the garage, so I couldn't really shoot them or anything like that. But, uh, I did have a slingshot and I, I shot off a few of them a couple times just to kind of give them a point that, Hey, (laughs) get out of here. But they don't need to be in an airtight home. In fact, you want some some ventilation they for them. They need ventilation. They need they need a, a pretty good deal of ventilation. Uh, as, as long as they are protected from the wind, ducks do well even if it gets really cold. Again, they, they need that shade in summer. But, but as long as they're protected from the wind in the winter, the snow doesn't bother them. They're fairly cold hardy. They are. And, yeah, and they, that, they don't that... have combs that freeze off like chickens do. They've got a nice insulating layer of fat and down. I mean, ours even would like to swim in the yeah. winter. Oh, yeah. Well, that preen oil, it really does keep their skin waterproof. It's amazing sometimes when when we've we've processed a bird and we're trying to <laughs> we're, we're trying to get it soaked down once or twice when we've when we've tried scalding them first. And it's amazing that water just doesn't doesn't get down to the skin. You know, it's it's very well waterproof with yeah. all that oil so, on the feathers. So protect them from the, the wind, but definitely give them space to breathe ventilation. Yeah, and, and you can do that in a various number of ways. If you have uh, some people, if they only have a couple ducks, they, they use dog houses. We, we built ours on the side of the garage, so they're protected uh, in our location from the north wind, which is... You know, where our cold winter weather comes from and they've got ventilation holes drilled in to a couple different sides of yeah. the houses. We'll try and I'll try and add some pictures on the website that uh, that will accompany the the episode for today. But yeah, we just made a couple houses uh, on a four by eight sheet of plywood with some plywood walls, some two by four frames, painted it all up, put some some uh, aluminum roofing or steel roofing on it. But some people do do things like crates. You know, they they take old crates or, or old pallets and just kind of, you know, throw these little boxes together. The duck, ducks aren't super picky. No. So you give them give them some shade, give them some protection from from the hostile wind. That's pretty pretty good. So the other thing to think about in terms of your infrastructure would be when it comes further down the road, how do you want to raise additional birds? 
we talked a little bit about selecting broody breeds, but maybe you don't have a broody breed. Maybe, maybe you want to do something like incubate eggs. In general, we've heard that if you're going to incubate eggs, expect somewhere in the neighborhood of 60 or 70% of your eggs that go in there to actually, actually hatch into birds. Because the first round where you're going to lose birds is what? In the fertility, right? Right. Yep. To find out how your eggs are doing, you candle them. You go to a dark room, and they used to do it with a candle. That's why it's called candling, but do it with a flashlight, and you examine the eggs. And, yep, your first fail point is fertility. So after a few days in the incubator, you have to throw out any that are not fertile. And then in about a week or so, you have, like, I think they call them quitters, eggs that were fertile but stopped developing for some right. reason. And then you throw those out because you don't want to keep bad eggs in the incubator because then you yeah, could lose the whole batch. Yeah, they'll rot and they'll start affecting the other. So describe candling. What, is that, what does that look like when an egg is fertile? Well, we'll definitely get some pictures on because it was a great homeschool project when we did it <laughs> the last time. But at first, it looks like just a little spot. And then over the course of the next four weeks, because you incubate duck eggs for 28 days, it's what starts as a little spot kind of turns into a spider web of veins. And by about day six or so, you can actually see a little heart beating. Yeah, and the, the spider webs is a good, good description. I remember seeing those, and it's really easy to tell which ones are growing and which aren't. Because it's, it's those very things, easy. It, it just it just really spreads out and makes this uh, almost like lightning bolts or spider webs that kind of fill the whole thing. So if, if you're wanting to incubate, definitely going to need uh, an, an incubator of some sort. And those, you can get all sorts of different models. Some of them have turners that will rotate the eggs daily. Otherwise, you can just kind of mark them yes, and rotate you, you them. Yes, you need to, just like a, a mother would do, she would get off her nest every day, go swimming, come back to her nest, and roll them all over. And then her feathers would be wet. So with uh, incubating duck eggs, you need to pay attention to the humidity level in your incubator as well. Uh, sometimes spraying them down with water. Yep. So your good incubators will come with both a thermometer and a humidistat in there. So you can you can monitor those things. The good thing is, unless you're going to buy eggs and hatch them yourself initially, uh, you probably don't need to worry about an incubator to begin with. And you probably don't need to worry about things like a candling flashlight. You can use a regular flashlight, but the candling flashlights have a nice rubber rubber ring on the end so you can push it right up against the side of the egg without, without damaging it. Um, but if you are going to go down that road, it's something to think about so you can have them when you're, when you're ready to do that. Yes. Um, even, even though that uh, estimated survival rate of the incubation is you know, 50 to 70%, we had an amazing incubation. Uh, I put 33 eggs in the incubator, expecting the worst. And I had three infertile eggs that I pulled out. And all 30 of the fertile eggs ended up hatching. Right. And we had, out of those, I think we had one or two birds the very first day that we were not sure we're going to pull through. But they, they ended they up did. doing it. So at one point in time, I think... 
we were expecting 15 to 20 maybe out of that batch and we with the 30 that we had i think we had a total of what 45 uh at one point about 45 ducks yeah it was a little insane considering we weren't expecting that much but uh, that's the way it goes not going to complain too much so let's wrap this up let's talk a little bit we talked mostly about ducks we said a little bit about geese um and we said that some of this will apply but let's talk a little bit about some of the things that are unique about geese. If you're going to raise geese, it's most likely not going to be for eggs. No. Ge- geese are pretty terrible egg layers. Well, geese are different than ducks in that geese lay seasonally. They lay in the spring and they lay one clutch or maybe two of eggs. Uh, they don't lay every day they lay a few eggs and then they plan to sit on them and that's it so you can expect anywhere between only 15 to 50 eggs a year from geese you can eat goose eggs i haven't yet because geese don't reach maturity until they're about a year old right we've had ours uh, a little less than that so i I would not recommend starting a goose egg business unless you're going to sell them at a a pretty high premium or uh, or sell fertilized eggs yeah well for sure for sure but you're not going to us crazy homeschoolers would be like oh i want to try incubating (laughs) goose eggs yeah i suppose you could do that but probably not not recommended if anything you're probably going to raise them for the meat or you know they're kind of fun to have around. Just having a pair of geese. If if you take care of some geese, you know, if, if you're just raising them, you know, you might expect something like, oh, I don't know, four or five years out of some ducks before they've really finished their egg production. I mean, right. eight weeks if you're raising them for meat, but four to five years before they're really done being uh, egg birds up to tw- up to 20 years if you're really just it's protecting them. If it's a pet. Right. It could live up to 20 years. Geese, you're going to have them up to market weight where you're going to butcher them in maybe six months. But from what we've read, if you really, really take care of geese, protect them from predators, uh, and they don't have any health issues, 40 years, up to 40 years. We're not, Stephanie and I aren't even 40 years old yet. We're, We're both 35. So that's hard for me to fathom. Yeah. But you were saying how cool it would be if we were, you know, 75 and we have these <laughs> the same pair of Jasper geese. and Prudence are our pilgrim geese that we have. Uh, now, geese are good for other things besides just meat and companionship. They are very good at sounding alarms if yeah. someone comes into uh, the yard or if there's a predator around or, you know, every time we go outside, they honk and greet us and... Also, a lot of people used to keep geese for weeding. Yeah, they're actually great uh, at at keeping the weeds down. We have, I would say they're flower beds, but that's kind of a misnomer because I've I've pulled out most of the flowers that were planted here when we moved. But the gap year in between when we had, and this goes for ducks too, but the gap year between when we had ducks and then when we didn't have ducks for a while and then we got ducks again, that gap year... We had such the bad weeds, weeds such bad weeds. Taller than me. I mean, I'm short, but still, yeah, like they were six foot tall. A few of them got taller than me. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm six and a half feet tall. So anyway, we won't go into our <laughs> our terrible... We're, we're getting there. We're getting yeah, there. Our terrible gardening experience that year. It was a very busy year. But, but, they, but... Do, they do keep weeds down. 
the geese actually uh, primarily eat grass. Yeah, they they will eat um, they will eat some bugs and things, but primarily they're they're vegetarians. The downside of that is both ducks and geese can sometimes get into your your gardens and eat things you don't want them to. Sorry about the Halloween pumpkins, kids. <laughs> yeah, they they actually really love the pumpkins. We had some. Our family does a, a, a pumpkin party every year at the end of September where we get together and, you know, we all carve pumpkins and that's kind of our, our once a year get together. And it was hilarious because we we set those out in the uh, the non-existent flower, flower bed and the ducks came over the next day along with the geese and they were just going oh. to town. Oh, yeah. So much so that just yesterday, this is, it's been a you know, a few weeks since we did that, but just yesterday I saw Jasper and Prudence up on our deck and they were, there were two pumpkins left over that hadn't been carved. They're just kind of sitting as decoration. And I hear this kind of clunk, 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 clunk going on. What in the world is that? Well, it was these geese and they were trying to eat these two big 10 inch pumpkins sitting up on the, on the deck. But aren't geese mean? Why would you, why would you want geese up on on your deck and yeah well in your space i mean sometimes i don't want them on my deck because they do (laughs) tend to poop but they are actually excellent guard animals you know a lot of people unless you have a very aggressive dog they're not put off by a barking dog you know they know how to read the language of dogs they can see that tail's actually wagging you know they're maybe cautious but they're not really mean not so much with geese they no no um I mean, anyone who's been chased by a goose at a park as a kid, you know, like me, is a little little skeptical of geese, like to give them a bit wider of a berth. They're a bit territorial, but but they are quite nice. I, I, I would say our geese, the, the pilgrim geese we have, that is a, a breed whose temperament is, is pretty good by comparison to some others. Yes. Um, you know, if you want geese, the key would be handling them often from the time they're very young so they get to know you arkies omri who is with them several times a day they totally respect him myself who's out there often giving them treats and talking to them they don't like when i try to touch them but they'll come right up to me some of the kids who don't spend as much time with them the geese it depends. Don't really respect them it just, so yeah, much. It depends on the day. A couple of the girls were out there the other day and the geese came right up and, and uh, kind of wanted to check out what they were doing. But there are other days they just kind of stick their necks out and, and honk at them and, and don't want anything to do with them. And, and the dog too. If the dog gets too close, the, oh, they... those geese, will they'll stick their necks out and they kind of do this kind of a honk and... and kind of flap their their bills a little bit and just kind of chase the dog off <laughs> and our our dog's pretty timid by by dog standards and she doesn't uh she doesn't stick around for long the the types of geese that we got omri wanted for the size they're a, a medium to medium large bird big enough to be good eating but not the biggest of the geese for people who'd ne- never had geese before pilgrim geese are one of the more Docile geese, they can be sexed by color at any age, which is unusual for geese. The male is white and the female is gray. Now, if you choose almost any other kind of goose, how would you tell a male or female? I'll give you a hint. The male is in the lead. Uh, If you see two geese walking along, 
The male is in front, scoping out for threats. Now with ducks, since we're kind of talking about sexing the, the birds here, with ducks you have a few other options. Typically when you're when you're getting the ducks from a hatchery or something, they're going to do what's called vent sexing. So they're actually going to um, flip the duck over and you know examine the the duck to see if uh, it's got male parts or female parts and it's not always 100% effective because on the males that organ is internal most of the time and so it's in it on when it's only a day old it's it's not always easy to see we've tried it ourselves and we were I don't 70%. Know, 60 or 70% accurate as they grow there are a few different Options. Certain breeds have some color traits. You know, we talked about the green heads on the apple yards, the ruins, um, your wild mallards, things like that. Sometimes those are just shown as like a band around their eye until they get a little bit older. You've also got things like the plumage. Yes, uh, male ducks have what's called a drake feather right by their tail. Uh, they have a uh, one or two feathers that curl almost in a loop. So if they have a curly feather on the tail, that's a male duck. It's almost like a calic on a little, yes. little boy's hair or something. And then the sounds that the birds make. A duck that makes your typical quack, quack, you know, quack, quack, that kind of sound. That's usually female. Yes. And they're generally... Much more vocal and loud. loud. Yeah, you can you can hear them from a much lo- longer distance. Now your males, I don't quite know how to describe it, but I, it's. I think it's closer to a like the sound of a frog's croak. Yeah, or like a, a raspy. A, wow, wow. Like a gargling. I, <laughs> it's <laughs> it's not quite a, a full blown quack. It's like a. Yeah, like a. Fr- <laughs> <laughs> All these funny fro- our duck impressions we're trying to do. Anyway, uh, we'll see if we can find a good YouTube link or something to post to kind of show you the difference there. But anyway, as you're trying to look through your flock, maybe you got a, a straight run and you're trying to cull some of your, your birds. Uh, that's a good way to kind of... The voice is the quickest indicator. Yeah. Uh, you can tell those voice differences the minute they stop their peeping like they, yeah. I mean, they peep when they're really uh, little. But unless by... they're a breed that has very distinct colors from birth. Right, right. But by uh, a few weeks old, even before they they hit that first molt where their adult feathers come in, you can tell which ones are really quacking. If it quacks, it's a duck, not a drake. Yep. All right. Well, hopefully that gives you a good introduction to the wonderful world of waterfowl. If you have any questions, we'd love to hear from you. You can fill out the uh, the comment section on the blog. This will be at livinglifefuller.com slash four or use the contact link up there in the uh, upper right corner. We'd love to hear from you. Any questions you have or any comments. And we will see you back here next time for episode five.